To quote Ron Burgundy, it's science. To quote Brett Fisher and Robin Williams, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. Welcome to Therapist in Motion Podcast, brought to you by Spooner. Welcome back to Therapist in Motion Podcast. This is Dan hosting today. I am joined by K2 and Paul. Hello, all. Hello. So we've got an interesting start of a long discussion that we could get really deep into, but we're going to strive to keep this at a high-level discussion for all of your listening enjoyment, um, both to provide clinical clarity as well as ensure that this information is somewhat digestible. So as I kind of alluded to in the introduction, talking about science and it not being your fault, I think one of the biggest pitfalls that I have seen in my professional career over 12 years is I did not have a very firm foundation in the science of exercise during my didactic education. And throughout interactions with students and fellow physical therapists from both inside our company and outside, this is something that is not uncommon. So that's kind of where the thought process of it's not your fault because you haven't been truly exposed to this and the depths, the depth and the specificity that comes with getting into the nitty gritty of the science of exercise. And I think both of you probably have some similar backgrounds of the lack of knowledge, right? And the lack of specificity. So I guess the first question I want to pose to you is, what have you done over your career to increase your knowledge and understanding of the global concept of the science of exercise? Well, I just listened to K2. That's a pretty good idea. No. <laughs> it's actually really, it, it's funny. Um, you know, as I went through and continued to develop, I focused very heavily on a lot of manual development. And I feel like at the end of every course I took, they'd throw in some exercises and some progression and some basics for it. I always kind of like wanted a little bit more and I could never find a really good course that hit exercise at a high level. Um, and then so as I kept going, I really appreciated some of like the PNF courses of IPA and it helped me a ton with how to prescribe things to recruit and develop and get, get, get the components for motor control I needed for the full chain. But really, truly, it wasn't until we started working with Brett and K2 that I started, I think, putting things together that a lot of it I, I, I knew but had segmented in my brain so far off of physical therapy, I forgot to apply it. And what's funny is I listened to Brett and K2 talk about things like going through rest in between sets appropriately and the sets and the reps. I'm like, yeah, I read all this in my ACSM book. I can picture flipping through my wonderful little ACSM book back That's in undergrad. you have a photographic memory. <laughs> oh, I, I, I recognize the, the book. I love this component. <laughs> but I literally, going through school, it was such a not discussed component. I forgot to apply what I didn't fully know to the depth that they do. 
But even things that I did know, I didn't even register they should be connected together because it was such an under-discussed topic outside of we got tested on the sets and reps that go for endurance, for strength, for hypertrophy, for the basics there. And I think that's about the extent of what we got into depth-wise. For myself, right off the bat, after graduation from PT school, my first job was uh, working for IndyCar rescue teams and uh, for the drivers. Then I was in charge of their care for physical therapy as well as strength and conditioning for the entire season. So that gave me lots of responsibility to uh, seek more knowledge to answer my questions. So that time I got into learning about uh, science of exercises, then start learning a specificity of exercises, how to plan entire year, and also um, periodization of the program, stuff like that. Then I moved to Phoenix about 20 years ago, then started working for Brett Fishers. So that time I started you know, um, observing his work. He provides physical therapy as well as performance enhancement for the professional athletes. So then watching what he does, learning from his wisdom, at the same time he suggested me to get the certification for the CSCS. So that got me into further, into more sci- learning about science of exercises. And also like working with Brett, I got to know so many uh, strength and conditioning coaches from various teams, professionally, like you know, collegiate level, high school level, then just interacting with them, like I got inspired so much ideas, then putting things together, then still to this date, I'm kind of, you know, raise some question, trying to answer my question. When I can't, I often go to Chip, Chase Goodswitch, or Charleston Del, uh, Del Cruz, uh, our strength coach, then I just learn from them. So I, I, I like hearing about the journey and the evolution of learning on the science of exercise. And like K2 said, this isn't something that you're ever going to master. This isn't something that Brett, even though he is an expert at it, has mastered. He is constantly talking with the strength coach, uh, the strength coaches like Chip and Charleston, as as K two mentioned, and Buddy Morris with the Cardinals, and and just picking each other's brains to get deeper and deeper understanding. You know that how to utilize the energy systems, how to utilize load, how to utilize intensity, and that not everything is three sets of ten or three sets of fifteen, and how do we utilize those concepts, but put them all together as opposed to isolation. So my next question would be, all right, let's talk a little bit about the the specificity of utilizing energy systems in our exercise programming plus appropriate load and appropriate intensity. Yes, I realize that is a massively large question and handling all three of those things in one question might not be possible. But I think it's it's important those two those three things in my brain do go together, and I can't I can't any longer do one without the other because of what I've learned from Brett and K two and Chip and Charleston. So I'm I'm trying to think about how I want to go through answering <laughs> your question without just talking indefinitely about a lot of things. Okay, so let's start first with energy systems mm-hmm. and it. just do the three main energy systems and how we utilize in exercise programming. So I, 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 I'm going to answer that by not fully answering it first to start. 
Um, I just wanted to put a random disclaimer back to kind of your initial question, which I think also something that I have realized when it comes to energy systems, when it comes to low, when it comes to everything you're discussing, is the importance that sometimes the basics and the simple things have a very strong place. I feel like for the longest time, my idea of exercise progression was making it harder. And unfortunately, my harder ended up becoming things that were just obtusely weird, right? Like, I'm going to put you on four different medicine balls where you balance a foam roller across your neck on a 45-pound plate on your ass and see what actually happens for you. Like, <laughs> well, you move dynamically in some capacity. And we just did weird things that I'm not, that were hard. And patients are like, oh, it's hard. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, what did that really accomplish or achieve for things? I, I progressed towards hard instead of being able to really apply things back to what they actually needed. And I think sometimes one of the most important things I've learned is there's a good time and place for a lot of the basics. Like you can use squats, weighted, and deadlifts. And those things have a strong functional component to a lot of activities that our patients actually need. So just a kind of random thought of mine to, to Answer part of your first question is don't be afraid to keep things basic. Now, the specificity is such a huge piece, and that's one of the reasons why, as you said very well, Dan, you need to be learning this forever. Because if you're talking about an end range swimmer for progression of exercise versus the end progression of exercise for a basketball player versus the end progression of exercise for a person who works uh, in some type of factory or, or place where you have to do a whole lot of physical labor to a person who's a landscaper, et cetera, et cetera, there's a very different physical demand on each of those people. And learning how to make things specific to them is, I think, an essential piece of our actual careers that is one of the reasons why things keep becoming always a new challenge and a fresh challenge. It should be exciting to a lot of us. Now to circle back and actually answer your, your, your energy system question. Um, actually, I guess I feel like I've been talking for a long time. That's K2, great. do you want to tackle the energy <laughs> systems and give some of your thoughts? That's great. Um, so when I think about energy system, that is uh, specificity came to my mind. And our body has a state of homeostasis. So that the benefit of prescribing certain exercise is providing stimulation or disruptors for the homeostasis. And so that we can create a desired adaptation from the exercises. And in terms of physical therapy, initially, like, you know, we identify the issues. Then just like Paul said, everybody has different goals. So we understand the starting point and the goal we are moving toward. So at the same time, we need to earn that, you know, basic, but um, more principle, foundational human body movement capacity. So in order to get that, we're gonna regain like mobility, stability, movement pattern, stuff like that. So after that, now we're gonna put specific um, uh, strategy to earn, to achieve the goal, so that um, we're gonna start, I'm gonna start putting some plans for that energy system from that point. Then initially, maybe I'm going to start working on stimulation, then going to more hypertrophy and trying to increase the strength so that we can move on to more power later. So that kind of creating that basic pathway, then creating that kind of general pathway, then kind of come down to more specific uh, strategy slash exercise week by week or day by day program. 
I like that. So, Paul, I'm going to throw it back to you, and I'm going to ask you a little bit more specific question on, you know, the three different energy systems and how you will utilize those to your advantage, as well as coach any uh, support staff or patient on why you want this for X duration because of the specificity tied to the utilization of the energy systems, knowing that if you're going to get to endurance, you've already used the other two, but how you can uh, be selective and specific regardless of the point in their plan of care to still target one, two, or three of those energy systems. So to keep things basic and simple, I like to try to get an idea of what the patient's end function is going to be. And that's a safe place to be. So when Dan's talking about the energy systems and we're talking about ATPPC system, lactic energy system, going into endurance, we can go through. And it's funny, as K2 is talking, I'm literally just like envisioning the Krebs cycle in the back of my head, like how much <laughs> ATP is created. And just flashbacks to undergrad science. Uh, but to keep things very basic and simple, especially for therapists out there that aren't going to go back and try to memorize what's the what's the you know the time frame that ATP PC is existing and when does it move into the next energy system? Specificity is an easy place to go. If I have a patient who has an activity that is going to take three four seconds and they're going to do this repetitiously throughout the entire day, I can use these factors to help me understand how I can prescribe exercises for them. As opposed to if I have a patient who is going to do something that is going to take a while to perform, they're going to be performing it for an extended period of time, I can try to create exercises to mimic that component. So when I look at a patient, I often will think about, all right, do they have the mobility to achieve the function that they need? The same thing here. I'm going to start and say, okay, I just need to make sure they can turn their muscles on, they can use their muscles, they can coordinate the muscle firing patterns, they have those neural controls, and eventually they can put the whole motor plan together. Once I feel like they have that, I'm going to say, okay, now how do I help their muscles be prepared for the tasks they're going to be performing? To give kind of a simpler version of that also, I do think it comes down into what muscles are we talking about as well needs to play a role. So if I have a patient who is a new mother and she has to reach and pick her child out of the crib or put her child into a car seat or any of these capacities that any parent out there knows, it's always an awkward position. There's no easy way to functionally do that. And maybe I want to look at working on rotator cuff uh, strength for this individual because maybe she also has some shoulder pain problems. Well, these are short tasks that require strength. So there's still a definite benefit to doing strengthening of the rotator cuff, but I'm not gonna sit there and think, oh, the rotator cuff needs this high level strength and I'm gonna do nothing but shorter duration things with a high resistance and low rep for them. I'm also gonna say, well, the rotator cuff's purpose is to have a lower grade recruitment of musculature for an extended period of time. So when it gets into energy systems, I'm thinking, what do they need to achieve their functional goal? Are my exercises fitting that? But also sprinkling in a little bit of a, what's the muscle designed to do? Is it a type one fiber or a type two fiber? I need rotator cuff strength, but I better also train the rotator cuff for endurance because what I don't want is the one time that the kid is flailing and having a, a little bit of a conniption fit, and you're having to hold the kid for longer than normal, and the rotator cuff's never been used to holding for an extended period of time, which is its literal purpose typically in function, not to produce force, but to maintain, to stabilize as force happens around it. 
I'm also not preparing that person very appropriately. So it's just kind of thinking there and saying, what does science tell me the muscles need? And what does their function tell me they need? And can I check the boxes to say, yes, I trained them for that. Yes, I trained them for that. If I find a deficit, okay, I have trained this person for general rotator cuff strength. I've trained this person for the the needs of their specific functional activity as far as is it repetitious, is it short, is it strength-driven, is it explosive, etc. But man, I miss the muscle-specific function. Let's make sure I tackle that a little bit as well. Once I feel like I've checked off all the boxes that I've created in my head to make them prepared for their activity, I feel like I've done the best job I can to help them be successful. There was a lot of wisdom just provided in that answer there because I think what you just did was you took what a lot of people are going to think is simple and made it complex, but then you flipped it and you took something that's very complex and made it simple, right? Because you said, what does the muscle need to do? What is its job? Then tied it to the task that the patient needs and then said, okay, now I need to cover both ends of the spectrum, what muscle fiber is it primarily? I need to make sure that I am training it to be that type of muscle fiber, knowing that it can also act and there are some fibers that will be the opposite uh, to withstand that force and give appropriate response to prepare them for that force, right? So I'm going to take kind of that basis and K2, I'm going to ask you a question related to load and intensity. And you kind of already talked a little bit about it, right? But, you know, whether it's hypertrophy, it's strength gain, it's endurance. When is three sets of 10 appropriate? Good question. <laughs> Again, it depends. But also, you know, Paul illustrated beautifully, you know, uh, the science of exercise, especially exercise progression, it's not just one-dimensional. It's not just energy system. We have to understand all the functional muscle. We have to understand the function of that client. You know, they're trying to uh, achieve their goals and stuff. So um, three sets 10 is not a magical world. And almost like three sets of 10 comes later, I feel like what you are trying to accomplish. So if you are trying to um, improve their movement more efficiently, even three sets of 10 may be okay, but what you are trying to accomplish. So then once you are able to do three sets of 10 repeatedly, maybe now we can just move to uh, stimulate more endurance so that can you try keep doing this longer time? Then it's going to be longer repetition. Then now, I want to actually start uh, moving on to hypertrophy, strength space. Then maybe I'm going to pick that uh, dot number, 3 sets 10, 12, or to achieve certain goals. But in order to do so, we have to check all the prerequisites to get there. But again, 3 sets of 10, just like Paul said, it's not the magic numbers. So that is almost like when they perform that exercise correctly with that parameters, they have to get close to near their kind of failure in a way. They're nearby their capacity. Otherwise, yes, I'm doing, giving them three sets of 10 exercises. Then maybe they said, oh yeah, but like, you know, I just did 
one set of 30. Right. That's not the same thing. You know, if that intense, maybe too light. So that, um, I don't know if I answer yeah, your question. but Yeah, yeah, you set the stage perfectly because what I'm thinking on this one is three sets of 10 absolutely can be appropriate, assuming that your intensity is at the right level, right? Because if we think about it, Three sets of 10 is probably one of the most common things that we see in practice. It was common in my mentors, but I didn't ever really think twice about any sort of challenge to that. And one of the things that I, that I love from K2, Brett, Charleston, Chip is great. Three sets, three sets of 10 is awesome. If those last few reps, they are getting to the point where they are working towards fatigue or failure, not to the point of injury, right? I'm not, I'm not pushing somebody into the point where they're going to have a significant consequence or detriment because of that intensity. But if we don't load appropriately, we are not getting the desired intensity, then we are probably not challenging their energy system at the right level. And is that patient really getting the most benefit from that prescribed exercise, right? And the answer is probably no. So it goes back to the kind of what we were talking about in show prep. You might give somebody a pencil to do curls and they laugh at you because the intensity is so low that they could literally do that for the next 24 hours straight and still probably keep going. So I I think that like what you talked about there, K2, is really important because it depends on what the goal is, what the phase is, can they recruit appropriately, but also have you given them the right load and that right load is going to vary no matter the age of the person that you're working with. And I'm curious, Dan, I want to ask, how do you go about finding that load? Because you touched on, you first off, you touched on one of my biggest pet peeves. It drives me nuts because people are like, oh yeah, I'm going to do, I want to do reps of 15 because I want to work on endurance. That that is going to look at endurance more than hypertrophy or strength, right? Like you said, if the load's not there, are we even stressing their endurance system? We know the said principle. The body is going to adapt to the specific activities that we provide with it. So if you never really challenge its endurance, how much endurance are you truly gaining? Strength, etc. So when I see someone that prescribes, oh, you know, I want to go a little bit lower uh, uh, reps um, and higher weight, and I'm going to use a purple TheraBand, Okay, yes, thank you. Purple is going to be higher than red, but is purple the actual challenge for this patient? If they can still complete this activity, instead of doing rows, and this is a 20-some-year-old individual who goes to the gym regularly, a purple TheraBand for five, six, seven, eight reps is probably not going to put them anywhere near an area of fatigue and failure. That being said, especially for young therapists or even experienced therapists who haven't been in like an outpatient realm or realm, we have to really challenge people towards the end levels of of rehab. How do you go about finding that level of challenge? Because most of our patients are just that. They're patients that have pain, that are either scared of getting hurt, don't want to be hurt again, have continued issues because as much as it'd be great to be able to see someone all the way through their bone spur in their ankle, we sometimes have to take them as far as we can and give them things to do on their own to continue challenging it. How do you dabble that line of failure, knowing that you're going to sometimes cross that line a little bit, but not go headfirst too far, but also not stay so safe, you never give them a challenge they need? So that's that's a fantastic question. And that is 
loaded, <laughs> but I think it also <laughs> sets the stage for a great future pod on setting expectations for both yourself and your patients on or clients on what to expect. But in the short term, mainly what I try and educate and, and set the stage with my patients on and then my, my technician is one, it's going to take a couple sessions to figure out where the sweet spot is Two, if we have done the right things and communicated appropriately across our team, including the patient on how hard the exercise is and not just because it's hard because I decided to make it random, but it's hard because it's at the right intensity level for them and they're doing the desired number of sets and reps for the desired outcome, whether it's hypertrophy or endurance, right? So that's kind of the direction that I go is, okay, after today's session, based on what I saw and the feedback you gave me, I'm anticipating you're going to be, you'll wake up tomorrow morning and have mild muscle soreness. And that should go away in the next 24 to 48 hours. Perfect. If that muscle soreness or delayed onset muscle soreness kicks in a little bit later or lasts a little bit longer, potentially we worked at the correct intensity level. If you didn't, if you wake up the next morning and you had nothing, I didn't come close to challenging you enough. And I need to know that. And we will figure that out over the next couple of sessions. So that's kind of the route that I take. And I'm also not afraid if they can do eight, right, at a certain weight. And they actually then say, no, I could not have done a ninth without assistance. There are these lovely things on the old Google machine to help me figure out what their true quote unquote quote, one rep max is. And now I can utilize that number on my flow sheet and work off of that number for a weight for a given exercise to ensure that they're operating in the area that I want for their energy system and the desired purpose of said session. I love that. And I, I, like you said, I don't want to go too far down that path because that's a whole another podcast topic. I just want to make sure everyone heard one thing Dan said, which was, it can take you a couple sessions. I want you all to kind of have permission to not feel like you have to have the answer right then and there. Now, we've talked about this on podcasts on a lot of topics, and it pertains very strongly to this one as well. There are so many factors that go into finding the right challenge level. And quite frankly, for each person, that can change day by day based on, again, a lot of other factors educating them up front and making sure the patient understands what you're trying to find is perfect. In fact, the person that says, well, the protocol tells me I should do this or research says I should do that is a great starting point, but I guarantee you will never get the right level for everyone off the bat. You have to find their personal tweaks. So remember, it's okay. You don't have to have that answer. Sometimes patients feel like, oh, you're this, you're the health professional. You should know exactly what I need. Well, I have a great amount of knowledge on what I believe you need and where to start you, but we're going to tweak it to you and you specifically. And I just want to make sure people feel comfortable with that instead of feeling like I have to know exactly where to start them and push them to the perfect level in the first exercise that I prescribe and then keep progressing from there. It's just not a realistic outlook, but it's an unfortunate outlook that I see all too often. So thank you, Dan. A great tidbit there for people to, to take home. So I want to ask another question uh, of K2. 
and see how you prioritize some of these components. And we've talked about a lot of different factors, um, especially when it comes to energy systems. But what I want to know is what do you do when a person needs multiple energy systems or all energy systems? So for example, let's say you have a football player and we know the average length of a football play is about four to 10 seconds. Let's keep it simple. Let's just say four or five seconds, a relatively short place. However, this person plays in a pretty up-tempo offense, even getting into like a no huddle very frequently. So we know that over the course of a game playing 80, 90 plays or so, they are on the field the whole time. They're not rotating in with other individuals a whole lot. That's a big endurance piece. This person needs short-term explosion and long-term endurance. How do you balance those two needs through your prescription? Great question. Um, so definitely, I try not to be acting like I know it all when I start working with certain clients, even though I have some experience in that particular sport. Um, definitely, I will try to learn from my clients what exactly do you need to be able to go back to the sport. Then with using previous knowledge, we could kind of come up with some ideas. At the same time, you can ask somebody who does all the time. For example, Brett. You know, Brett works in for the Arizona Cardinals. So that my limit, limited knowledge of football uh, energy system, probably I can expand even further to ask right question to the person who does all the time, every single day. So that I think we, I can sharpen that, you know, uh, knowledge about that. At the same time, too, uh, when we create a program for physical therapy, moving on to strength and conditioning, uh, I can talk to the strength and conditioning coaches. What program you would um, provide when we make a good transition to them? Then almost thinking backwards, in order for my athlete to be able to participate their conditioning session, to start with, even not talking about even game, what we need to get done. Then thinking about looking at my program, then almost point A to point B, how are we gonna fill the gap? How are we gonna put a stepping stone? So that comes into, then that requires dissecting that program of what that strength and coaching, you know, uh, strength and conditioning coach provides. Then actually compare, then create a bridge. Then use a similar um, knowledge of how I talked about, you know, uh, creating energy system, more endurance, power, uh, muscular strength, and power at the same time too. It's not just linear. Even certain phases, even endurance phase, maybe we have to add a little bit of the, you know, more strength, just a little bit more power. And even strength phase, there's certain endurance phase, endurance uh, component we cannot forget about. Maybe that is how you're going to actually mimic, uh, not mimic, um, adjust the maybe resting time or volume or exercise. So the exercise itself, maybe three sets ten, but as a collectively, Actually, we are stimulating that um, more endurance energy system as well. Those kind of stuff, then trying to fill up that gap, then hopefully we can create a good uh, transition to the strength and conditioning. Okay, too, I think that that was brilliant of talking about the collaboration that it requires to meet the specific demands of that patient that Paul outlined of that, of that football player, right? And I, I want to just share quickly 
to answer that question as well on a lot of it is learning on the fly (laughs) and some trial and error, but also getting the input from the patient because there's things that they've done to make it to the level that they've gotten to and, and successes that they've had in their own training of, Hey, yeah, I go max all out for four seconds. Then I have a 25 second rest and then I go max all out for five seconds again. And I had a great coach who that this is how we built our, my exercise program. Huh? That makes a lot of sense, right? I'm going to go push as hard as you can go light and easy for 30 seconds, push as hard as you can go light and easy for 30 seconds. And that's me how I get to my three sets of 10, but it takes me, you know, four minutes to complete that one set of 10, but I'm going max effort you know, for three seconds, every 25 or 30 seconds. So I'm still kind of working on an an energy system, but I think a lot of it comes back to what you said very early on, Paul, which is knowing what your patient needs and being specific with your exercise programming, plus the demands of their task to ensure that the prescription of what we're giving them in a session meets their demands at the right level. I love that and, and great answers. And also, like Dan said, thank you for bringing in that thought process of when I talk about the boxes you have to check off earlier, it's not always end function, right? Especially if we're talking about a person that has a team behind them, it might be how do I get them prepared for the next step of their journey? Also for myself, sometimes I like to utilize the idea of patient success when I'm trying to prescribe for endurance systems. So no different than we talk about you know, if I want to have an individual going through a certain exercise and I know that they struggle with A and B, but C is a good place where they feel like they're more successful, I can use that to help me launch into other things. C is still a challenge, but it's going to help them get to the right place. We've talked about this previously in planes of motion. I think it works very well with endurance. Most people have certain things they're set for. You talk with those people that endurance running comes easy to them and they're not very fast. And you talk to those people that they are sprinters and the thought of endurance running terrifies them. You can ask questions to get to that even for your non-athletic population. Do you enjoy hikes and up some heavy hills or do you like to go for longer periods of time? Do you feel like longer walks are challenging for you? You like short bursts and what's your walking speed? You can ask these questions for day-to-day activities and I will sometimes try to gather information to ascertain, okay, this is more of a short burst energy person. Okay, this is more an endurance person. So I will start my programming if they need both because at the end of the day, most everyone needs a bit of both for most everything. I think you're going to find percentages aren't 50-50, so you shift your program, as K2 said, to fit those, and knowing that it's going to have a little bit of both at all times, or three or four, however many factors we have here. But I'll say, okay, this person likes longer walks. This person likes longer hikes, but pretty flat ground, pretty simple, not a lot of hills. Longer watch, walks on the on beach? On the beach every time. <laughs> Unless Brett's listening, because Brett hates like exercises on the beach in the sand. Very non-functional for most things. So, Brett, sorry. My bad, man. No walks on the beach. Walks on the boardwalk. 
but I'm going to go for that individual and say, let's start with endurance because I feel like that's a successful place for them if it can. Maybe they're coming to me for insertional Achilles tendonitis that was repetitious and maybe endurance isn't what I want to stress their body with. So again, as always, there is no rule of where to start, but I try to think, okay, one, does this injury allow it? But two, where does this person find their successes? Can I use that as a launching board, both physically and mentally? Because if they can mentally feel like they're doing more, that will help me train the other pieces as well. So just at the end of the day, I think the answer to everything we ever ask is it depends, but just some thought processes to help potentially guide you when you're not sure at all where to go. I like that. Yeah. Especially like uh, asking right question to the client, you can obtain so much information. And that is how we're going to find a sweet spot for the, you know, target for the exercise as well. At the same time, just because we have knowledge of science of exercises, it's not, it should work this way, or it is what it is, or I have done this way, so it should work. No, ask the right question to the clients. They will tell you if it, we, actually we are achieving the goals or we are getting that desired you know, outcomes or watch them how they move. So it's more like constant observation, constant communication. That's going to actually give you the challenge to see, huh, I thought it was working, but why not? Then going back to the science, then maybe we can dissect ourselves uh, how much, what exercise program we created. Maybe challenge ourselves to synthesize progression of exercise, maybe. So KT, that was actually the perfect lead-in to something that we're going to encourage our listeners to do as a little bit of a takeaway from this, from this discussion that we just had. And really what we kind of want you guys to do as listeners is to go and look at your exercise flow sheets and kind of do a critical analysis of where you are and where that client slash patient is. Take some time to see really what are the goals for this patient? Where do they want to get to? And do the exercises that you have prescribed, are they headed towards that? Do you have the right intensity? Do you have the right duration? Are you appropriately loading them to get the desired result of the muscles that you're trying to target? Going back to what Paul alluded to earlier. And then lastly is, what planes are you moving them in? Are you utilizing planes of success? Are you utilizing energy systems of success? And be honest with yourself. It's not good or bad. It is just a time to take and reflect on where you are with that patient, with that client, across the, the spectrum of their plan of care and their progression, and just kind of see. We would love to hear what you come up, come up with on that reflection and realization, it might provide a springboard for us to have an additional conversation on the information that you provide to us. So, you know, again, we, we say it at the end of every podcast, but in this situation, we would love to hear from some of you on what you found as you did this reflection on your flow sheets and looking at sets and reps and, and, and is everything matching up. So please email us at therapistinmotion at spoonerpt.com. We would love to hear from you specifically on this as well as any topics or ideas for us to discuss in the future. Paul and K2, I thank you for joining me again today on this awesome discussion and kind of the start of getting more into the depth of the science of exercise. So for all of you listeners, thank you for tuning in. 
If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or suggestions, please do not hesitate to email us at therapistsinmotion at spoonerpt.com. Thanks and have a great day. Thank you for listening. Please hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app. 